Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 166 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and we're in a special series talking about how to study the Bible. Let's dive in. Over the past several episodes, we've been talking about how do you study the Bible? And I mentioned that there are four key questions that you should be asking when you come to Scripture. Now, we've spent the last few episodes looking at the first question, which is, what does the passage say? In other words, I'm, I'm not making my conclusions. I'm not making application. I'm merely coming to Scripture and saying, what is going on in the text? And again, the idea of the question here is you are looking for good observations. And if you want to refresh yourself, you can just go back to the last couple of episodes and listen to those ideas of what does it mean to observe the text and, and why is context so important to observations? Well, what I want to do in today's episode is talk about the three other questions. Now, typically in the past, we've always mentioned that there are three questions to ask, but I've added a fourth one over the last maybe year or so because I actually feel like it's really significant to our understanding of scripture to add in this fourth one. So let me walk through the other questions with you and kind of walk you through like the concept or the thought of how to approach scripture. So again, the first question we ask is, what does the passage say? And we're making observations. Now, again, you're going to be spending most of your time in the observation stage. But as you're making observations, what you're going to find is that there's going to come a point where you say, well, so what? And that kind of leads us to the second question, which is, what does this passage mean to the original audience? Now, I'm not asking the question, what does this passage mean to me? I'm asking the question, what was the original author trying to tell his original audience? Obviously, like the book of Ephesians, Paul is not writing to 21st century Nathan. He is writing to first century Christians in his place called Ephesus. So when I come to this passage, then I'm not trying to figure out, okay, what does this mean? Or how do I feel about a passage? Which if I could just go on a quick side tangent, that is the thing that drives me probably the craziest when we talk about modern day Bible studies. 
I, I'm so tired, if I could be honest with you, of these Bible studies that get together and they kind of read a passage and they look around the circle and they say, oh, how does this passage make you feel? Or what do you think about this passage? Or what do you think it means? You realize, and I hate to step on your toes like this, but I don't care what you think it means. I actually want to know what does that passage mean? Now, that may sound harsh, but the truth be told is that passage in its original context is not being written to you and I. Now, we can apply it into our day and age, but in order for me to apply it into my life, I first must understand what the passage actually meant when that author wrote to that particular audience. So again, the second question is, what does a passage mean to the original audience? So in the context and in all the observations I made, what is that author trying to say? And if you want to maybe simplify it, what you're really looking for is kind of the truth or the concept or the nugget of the passage. Now, personally, I'm convinced that scripture does not say a multitude of things, that if we were to be truly honest with a text, the text says one thing. In other words, the Bible's not going to say, and I'm going to, um, this is obviously a made up illustration, but the Bible's not going to say, hey, you are to love pepperoni pizza. And then you go back a year later and it says, oh, you were to love sausage. And then you go back some other time and says, no, it's cheese. See, the Bible doesn't do that. It doesn't change in that kind of a nature. Now, I do admit that there are layers to scripture. And the more you study it, or, you know, we've experienced this where, you know, where you you study a passage and then some time goes by and then you reread the passage or you restudy the passage and it has a greater depth or understanding to it. But that doesn't mean that the truth has changed. It just means that it has deepened. In other words, when Jesus says, hey, you are to love your neighbor as yourself, that passage means you are to love your neighbor the same way that you love you, which is a lot. <laughs> I mean, we pamper ourselves. We, we cuddle ourselves. We, you know, the first thought in the morning when we wake up is ourselves. So what if I would turn outward and love the people around me with that same aggressive love that I pamper myself with? Now, the depth of that passage may expand. But suddenly you're not going to get to that passage and it's going to be like, now hate your neighbor. See, scripture says one thing. And again, I'm convinced that if we were all in a room and we were studying a passage individually, we would all come to the same conclusion of the passage saying, yep, based on the context, this is what that author was trying to tell his audience. It has one meaning. And that's really what I'm looking for here in this second question, which goes to this idea of interpretation. And again, just as a reminder, I I keep repeating this, but it's so important. It's not, we're not asking, what does this passage mean to me? We're asking, what was the author trying to tell his audience? And the reason that's important is I need to put myself in their context, in their shoes, in first century, you know, Roman world, if we're reading the New Testament or in the Old Testament, I need to put myself in those ancient days of Israelite history. That context is really important to understanding the meaning of a particular passage. Again, we tend to bring in our 21st century, you know, westernized viewpoints into scripture, and we tend to miss the the meaning, the, the heart of a passage because we're trying to put it into our context rather than letting scripture speak for itself. So question number one, what does a passage say? And we're going to be spending most of our time there looking at these observations and going through those cultural questions and just trying to figure out, okay, what is what is going on in the passage? What is that passage saying? And then as we're working through that, we're going to be kind of turning and saying, okay, 
Well, based on all these observations, so what? What what does this passage actually mean to the original audience? What is God trying to tell those this passage is being written to? Now, that leads us to the third question. And the third one is the one I, I've inserted. The third question that I've included is, well, how does this passage connect with the rest of Scripture? And it's this idea of connection. One of the things I've noticed is so oftentimes we have this meaning or this concept and we just tend to run with it. And I think it's important, at least I've noticed in my personal life, that if I would slow down and say, okay, based on this concept, this truth nugget that that I found in this passage, does this concept, is this proven out over all of scripture? In other words, all of scripture bears witness of itself. So I'm not going to find one concept in scripture and have it countered in another. Now, let me be the first to admit, there are tensions in scripture. And the beauty of scripture is in the middle of that tension. And there's a lot of great examples. For example, uh, the one to step on most people's toes is, is God sovereign? Well, scripture says, yes, he is sovereign. He is over all things. Then the other question is, well, does man have free will? And the answer is, based on scripture, yes. Because the problem is, if, if you go hyper one direction, you suddenly have biblical problems. If God is fully sovereign and man has no will, then God is puppeteering humanity, which means every time that I sin, God is causing me to sin. Well, that's not biblically true because God is not an author of sin. He cannot sin. But it's also not true that man has full free will and God is not sovereign. See, the beauty is that God is both sovereign and he has given man free will. And the beauty of that tension is incredible Because the fact that he allows humans to make a choice means his sovereignty is actually that much greater. And I love the beauty of the tensions in scripture. So notate that there are tensions in scripture where there's seemingly paradoxical things. And yet the Bible holds those in a beautiful, perfect tension. But that being said, realize that a passage is not going to counter some other Thing in scripture. In other words, if your conclusion from the Old Testament is it's okay to hate somebody and you can murder them, you realize the tenor of scripture is that's not true. You are not to murder. In fact, Jesus makes it very clear you're not even to hate. So the idea of the third question then is not just to stay in your little Bible study bubble of whatever it is that you are studying, but to take the concept or take the nugget of what you are learning and say, okay, where is this illustrated in the rest of scripture? Is this true in the rest of scripture? Does all of scripture prove this out? And that's one of the reasons why I encourage you to read the Bible and not just study it. Because as I'm reading through scripture, it's amazing how whatever it is I'm reading, God will take that reading and illustrate or show me something with something I'm studying. Uh, For example, I'm reading through the Old Testament and I'm seeing a physical lived out illustration of a New Testament spiritual concept that maybe I'm studying in the book of Ephesians. So recognize that when I come and get this concept, right, this interpretation of what does this passage mean to the original audience, that I want to take that and I want to look at all of scripture and make sure that that concept or that truth claim is in fact true by, by by the entirety of scripture. Or, and then I want to illustrate that concept with scripture. But then that leads us to the fourth question, which is, well, then what does this change? Which goes to this idea of application. So we have observation, interpretation, connection, and then the application. 
And it's really important to do it even in that order. And if you want to remove the connection one out of there, that's totally fine too. And just have observation, interpretation, application, which is the typical three. But it's important to go in that order because I don't want to apply a text that I first don't know the meaning of. But there's no way to know the meaning of a text without first observing and figuring out what is going on in the text. So again, observation, what does a text say? Interpretation, what does a text mean to the original audience? I would encourage you to do the connection, which is how does that passage being demonstrated or how is that proven out in all of scripture? And then number four, what does that change in my life? Now, what's neat about this idea of application is that the application may be completely different for each of us, even though the interpretation is going to be the same. I mentioned a few moments ago that if we were all being honest with the text and we all came to the text and said, okay, what does this text say? And we're really diving in and based on the context, we're all studying a passage. I'm convinced that we're all going to come to the same conclusion about what the text means, because that doesn't change. Again, there's layers and it deepens, but it doesn't change. The word of God says one thing. But yet when I take that concept and I bring it into this idea of application, the application of the concept may be completely different for you than it does for me. Let me give you an illustration. Imagine there's a whole bunch of us gathering together to study a passage, and we've come to the conclusion that what the passage means is that we are to love the Lord our God above everything else, that there is nothing that should be above Jesus Christ, that he is the preeminent one. And anytime I put anything above Jesus, that has become an idol in my life. That's idolatry, and therefore it must be removed. So we take the concept, and then I bring it into my personal life, and I say, Jesus is there anything in my life that I have put above you? And, oh, I am so convicted because I begin to recognize that, well, see, I turn to entertainment for my rest and for my pleasure. So, hey, if I've had a hard day, I turn to a movie or, hey, I've had a long week and so I'm going to watch a TV show. And I begin to recognize that rather than turning to God for my refreshment, I've actually turned to this false God called entertainment. Now, it's not that all entertainment's evil and bad and you should stop watching everything, but that should not be your first turn. And so for me, I, I just, I repent and I say, God, I, I've turned to entertainment and not to you. So you've got to deal with this in my life. And you've got to remove this idolatry called entertainment called Netflix in my heart. But you're sitting there going, well, I don't have a problem with entertainment. I mean, I only watch Little House on the Prairie, you know, once a week. So entertainment is not my God. But as you begin to think through it, you begin to recognize it. well, you know what? I turn to cigarettes and I just, man, I just smoke a pack a day. And I begin to realize that, man, these cigarettes are an idol in my life. And I've actually put them above Jesus. I love my cigarettes more than I love Jesus. And that has become idolatry. So you need to repent of your cigarettes. But Johnny over here, he's a video game player. And he, he recognizes that he's been spending seven hours every single day playing video games and that he actually loves his video games far more than he loves Jesus. And so he needs, in terms of applying that passage, God needs to deal with his video games and this idolatry of video games. And for Susie, it's shopping, that, that she just cannot help but shop. And so, hey, her God has become shopping and her idolatry is consumerism. Do you see how it's the same passage with the same meaning but the application can be completely different. And that's just the marvelous thing about the word of God. And I, that's one of the reasons actually I love preaching God's word is because 
as a preacher, you know, you stand up and you lift up the word of God and say, here's the word of God. And let me tell you, based on my study, this is what it means. This is what the author was trying to tell his audience. And then you turn to the congregation and you say, now let the Holy Spirit bring conviction in your hearts of how you apply this. And I love the fact that whatever the concept may be in scripture, the Holy Spirit can take that passage and apply it in a myriad of ways in people's lives. And I may not have talked about smoking at all, but this person is convicted about smoking and this person's convicted about entertainment and this person's convicted about shopping and this person's convicted about video games. And yet it's the same truth of God's word. Again, the word of God doesn't change. The word says one thing, but the application of the word is going to be different for each of us because we're all different. So again, four great questions as you come to Bible study. Number one, what does the passage say? You're making observations. And again, you're going to spend most of your time there. And as you get through those observations, you're going to begin to ask the question, well, then what does this mean to the original audience, which is the interpretation? And you're going to come up with this nugget, this concept, this thought, this truth claim. And then I would encourage you to take that truth claim and see the connection of that truth claim in all of scripture. And then lastly, you're going to say, what does that concept, how does that passage change my life, which is the application? So observation, interpretation, connection, and then application. Well, I hope that just lays a great foundation for you as you come to the word of God and begin to study. Now, if you're like me, I'm someone who likes someone to grab me by the hand and practically walk me through an illustration or an example of, okay, well, so how do I actually do this? And so next week in next week's episode, we're actually going to be looking at that Acts chapter one, verse eight passage and begin to walk through these four questions. So I would encourage you to study ahead and look at Acts chapter one, verse eight, walk through those four questions and then be ready next week for us to kind of debrief together in looking at how do we actually study the Bible using Acts chapter one, verse eight as an illustration. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of those four questions, as well as some other Bible study helps, please visit the show notes at deeperchristian.com forward slash 166 for episode 166. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.